was no correlation between the church and what was happening in the city. The report card was a terrible failure. The highest crime rate, highest unemployment, homelessness, on and on and on and on and on and on. Now, that in itself was not too good. But what was worse, they now went to the spiritual leaders in the city, pastors. If I mention their names, you, you all know them. And they said to these pastors, this is the result of the survey and the research done in your city. You have a 20,000 member church. You have a 15,000 member church. You have a 5,000 member church. You have, and they said to them, this is the result. Highest crime rate, homelessness, divorce, murders, drugs, on and on and on and on. This is what those pastors said. Five pastors. Five different pastors. Five different times. And they all said, I'm a spiritual man. And what you're bringing me is it's a natural phenomenon. It doesn't affect me. True story. True story. This is the direct correlation from what we just talked about in the earlier section. These pastors are sitting in their cocoon, in their ivory towers. They are pastoring 10, 20, 40,000 people. The city in which they are living is going to hell in a basket. And they confronted them with information to say, this is what's happening in your city. And they said, oh, we are spiritual, uh, we are spiritual leaders. We, are not, we have nothing to do with, the, with what's happening. Hello? This is why what we just taught earlier is important. How can you be in a city of which God says you are the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and you're not concerned that your church, your presence does not impact your environment? What's the essence of being there? Which means if the church was removed from that city, there would be no difference. Because the church has no relevance while they are there. That is sad. But that's exactly what happened. That actually happened in the United States. Now, I don't know what these numbers will show now. Now, even by Old Testament standards, that still was very sad. Because in the Old Testament, as, 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 as bad as it was, the priesthood, had responsibility for everything. When somebody is sick, they brought them to the priest. When harvest was not going on well, the priest talked about it. So, so what I'm saying to you is, there's, you cannot disconnect what we do from what's happening in our community. The moment we do that, we lose our relevance. Now that was the United States. Has things gotten any better? I'm asking the question. Are things better now? Okay, I'll, I'll leave that alone. So here, here we are. It's in your notes. In Dallas, you have a church on every street corner, yet the statistics show a broken community. Christian leaders respond to the condition of the community. This is not my concern. I'm a spiritual leader. And for sure, a Levite in the Old Testament will not even dare say that. 
Amen? So that's the U.S. How about Africa? <laughs> Pastor Mark Adebamo is just laughing. <laughs> he made it a mention Africa. He started to laugh. <laughs> Africa is the most Christianized continent in the world. Many nations in Africa are Christianized. Yet, poverty, disease, corruption, violence are prevalent. We'll save Nigeria. But the genocide in Burundi happened even as Burundi is hailed 80% Christian nation. 1994, to be exact. So, I know it's late, and I'm, and I'm hoping we can really assimilate this information. How can Burundi, in 1994, that claimed to be 80% Christian nation, kill 800,000 people within a many months? In a period of about six months, or eight months, in 1994, genocide. You guys didn't hear me. U.S. did not attack them. Russia did not attack them. Germany did not attack them. Burundis, who come to my church, your church, like a church on Sunday morning, sing hymns to God, sing hallelujah, sing praises. They have a benediction at the end of the service, and they go home and get machete and start killing one another. 800,000 in a period of about eight months. So what message were they hearing in church? How did what they heard in church on Sunday translate to murdering your neighbor on Monday through Saturday? For six months. 800,000. While the rest of the world looked the other way. Thank you, Bill Clinton. This is a true story. Just 1994 here. Listen, what we are talking about, if the church was strong, if they were not just nominal, that should never happen. If they know that God loved them and loved one another, how can you take it? Machete? They didn't even use a gun. They used machetes. It's a slaughter. Innocent people. Why? Because of tribal divisions. The Tutus and the Utsis. What do you call them? Is it... Is it So I guess what I'm saying is the church is wide, yes. But we need to grow deeper in our roots. Amen? So how could the gospel result in such chaos? Even with the proliferation of churches in Nigeria and around the world, with impressive statistics, gross darkness still seems to permeate the earth. Something is wrong with this picture. What is the problem? We are the salt and light of the earth. By the virtue of Abraham's calling, our calling was to bless the families of the earth. Why is that not happening? Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, 3. That was the covenant that God covered Abraham. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Uh, you shall be a blessing. I will curse him that curses you. And I will bless whom who blesses you. And in and through you, Shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Amen? 
So God must help us to raise up within our congregations the emerging Joseph generation. The Josephs are sitting in our churches. Those Josephs are not preachers, they are not prophets necessarily, but they are men that God has gifted with all kinds of skills, administration, uh, legal, physician, whatever they are. But God sent them to us to equip them, develop them, and deploy them. Amen? Let's move on. Page 21. Look at, it. Look at the bullet point on top of page 21. If the gospel is good for society, and its values bless those beyond the members of faith, why don't the facts support this claim? Are you guys reading what I'm reading? Do you see it there? Why are these killings still going on in Chicago? Where is the church? I mean, 65, 78 mothers on a weekend between Friday and, and, and Monday. I mean, that's crazy. What are we doing? So, part of the problem that we began to address in the last session is what I call a dualistic gospel. That is, the gospel of salvation versus the gospel of the kingdom. Dual message. We are preaching only salvation when we need to be preaching the whole biblical message of the kingdom. There's a distinction. Okay, so here we, here we go. The gospel of salvation, what does that mean? This is our concept of missions today, evangelism. Get people saved, get them to church, then move on to reach those who have never heard. Where do we go wrong? How do we come to such a reduced gospel of salvation alone? The salvation part of the gospel deals with conversion of being born again. But the truth of the matter is, there is nothing like the gospel of salvation in the Bible. This is only the entrance to the kingdom and not a destination. Amen? The gospel of the kingdom, on the other hand, includes salvation and the truth about every dimension of life. Missions work for the past 150 years has been dominated by the concept of being saved as only the goal. Illustration. The truncated gospel message is like a grown child still incapable of doing anything for him or herself. And we see that in our churches. When our members have a headache, they want the pastor to pray. When somebody has any need, they, they want the pastor to pray. Now, there's nothing wrong in that. I think pastors should pray. But more importantly, we should be equipping and training our people to know how to pray for themselves. Because the truth of the matter is, all of us are one spirit away from God. I don't have a bigger spirit and a smaller spirit. I don't have a big spirit and you have a small spirit. We have the same Holy Spirit. So there's a way in which we need to groom our people, train our people, and make them less dependent on us 
and more dependent on God. I don't know if you remember, Pastor David, uh, the first time we went to Ukraine, when those pastors were asking Sonia Elijah to pray. What did they say to them? After, after chatting all evening and then they want to go to bed. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Say, say that in the mic, please. It never fixes me. It, 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 it just blows my mind. You are in a meeting like this, or maybe any other setting, you preach, you are worn out, you're giving everything you got, you pray for the congregation, and as you walk into the office, okay, somebody stops you. This pastor, pray for me, bless me. What else do you want? I said, what else do you want? I just finished praying. You are part of the congregation I prayed for, but now just, just pray for me. Pray, pray, pray for me. Okay. Stop pinching, pinching him. Ah, don't dominate him here now. All night. Yeah. From 12 midnight to 6 a.m. Yes. And I was But, but, but you see, we are the ones that enable those things. We are the enablers. We need to stop it. We need to do what Sonia Aliyah did. He just said, no, I don't need to pray for you. You pray for yourself. Simple. Simple. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, because of the insecurity. They need the people to need them. And as long as the people need them, they feel like I'm important. So those kind of ministers are looking for significance in the wrong place. Yeah. It's wrong. It's wrong. Anyway, good. Let's, let's move on. The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is the message that reformed the Western cultures and built nations on solidly Christian values. That's the truth. All of the judiciary system in most of the Western nations are built upon the Bible. Now, they may not be godly. I mean, I'm talking about the nations themselves. But they've taken this idea that God owns the nations and therefore have incorporated into the fabric of the society godly mandates, rules, and regulations. Because the understanding is there that God does not just function inside the church. God wants to function everywhere. Anywhere and everywhere where human beings are is a domain for God. So we should be kingdom-minded. That's the message that Jesus preached. 
when you go and look through all the way through the four Gospels, it preached the Gospel of the Kingdom. That's the message that Paul preached. The message of the Kingdom. Which simply means bringing the sovereignty and the rule of God to every human sphere of existence. This is God's word. This is his creation. Why would you, we limit him to just the church? Amen? So the kingdom message encompasses everywhere you find human beings. God is there and he wants to rule in that situation. So the truths of the gospel of the kingdom are transformative. They teach us how to live every part of life. Our transformed lives are to be salt and light to our families, neighborhoods, communities, nations, making them better places to live. That's, that's what Mike told us yesterday. That's what the kingdom message does. It's not a message that we should just hear in church and live when we leave church. It's a message we should hear in church and live out everywhere else where we're functioning. At home, at school, in the marketplace, hospital, wherever you find yourself. The love of God is an indispensable tool that we receive in church that we should live out everywhere outside of church. Amen? Now, notice in Matthew chapter 5 that the salt comes before light. When Jesus said we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world, he mentioned the salt before the light. Because there must be trans in an inside transformative work before any external manifestation can be seen. Salt, when placed in food, seasons the food in the inside. You don't see it working. But when you eat the food, you can taste the seasoning. It's an inside silent work that salt carries out. So Jesus wants us to be salt. In other words, the transformation of God that's taking place in our life is not, it's not a noise. We've been here for two, three days. God has said so many things to so many of us and we're already quietly saying, I'm going to make this adjustment. You did, it's not on CNN. It's not on Fox News. The adjustments we are all making here as a result of being here today or not yesterday. These adjustments is not written in anybody's book. It's in your heart. But as you carry it out, we see that light, that manifestation. So first, we have to be salt and then light. Salt refers to the fact that there's an inner work that's been done in you before there can be outward manifestation. Does that make sense? Good. So the dualistic view of the world entered the thinking of the church through two views, the evangelical view and the liberal view. So evangelical says, only people's souls are of value. We only have time to save souls. Christ will return soon. Material world will soon be destroyed. So the church focuses only, quote unquote, sacred matters, spiritual matters, evangelical, Salvation, eternal, heavenly, spiritual warfare, healing, faith, and prayer. The liberal view, on the other hand, says God is concerned about secular matters, 
such as people's basic need for food, clothing, shelter, health, education, material, liberal, social, da 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 Do you see something in these two things? What do you see? I'm about to show you something here. These two views, the evangelical view and the liberal view. That's American politics. No, seriously. Who is the evangelical view in America, in the politics? Republicans. 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 Who is the liberal view? No, no, no. <laughs> no, seriously, seriously. The, the point I want to, no, CNN, of course, CNN, of course. No, no, let's call, let's call it spread it, spread MSNBC is a spin off of CNN. They're all cousins. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, they are not wrong. One is not better than the other. Now, this is an important point. Exactly. That's what we miss. We need both the liberal view and the evangelical view. That is what makes the wholeness. This is the mistake of these two political parties. That's why I can't stand either of them. I'm an independent. No, seriously. No, you're not. You are under God here. Don't talk, don't talk like that. You're, you're under God and your husband is here. Don't go there with me at all. This man, this woman. Well, who, he is independent, but not you. You are hardcore, far left liberal. <laughs> your, your husband and I are, are independents. Praise God. We are still trying to convert you. We are praying. We are praying. <laughs> no, but seriously, though, seriously, though, this is huge. Both political parties have good things about them. And I don't understand why they cannot see that they are both incomplete. So the Republicans are hopping and being evangelical at the expense of the social things we should be doing. Equity, justice, taking care of the poor, the needy. But the Democrats, on the other hand, makes noise about the needy, the justice, the equity, and totally forget God. They are against, come on, don't go there. Yeah, Republicans are blind to passion, no, no, to they compassion. Just, they just believe that it will not be done. No, they they have no compassion. 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 No, seriously. Seriously, how are you going to lock people out on there? How are you going to separate your kids in, at the border? How? It's the Republican Party. <laughs> no, it's the Republican Party. Because when they did it, where were the Republicans? Where were their complaints? Don't go there. Pardon me? Tough decisions. You want me to separate your son from you at the border? Am I hearing you say that? <laughs> no, but seriously, both parties lack. They are, none of them is complete. But the amazing thing is how they are so spiritually blind not to see that they are not complete. That's, that's crazy. How can, you, how can you push the liberal views at the expense of God? Going to make us all same-sex marriage. Going to make us all transgender. Can you imagine me turning to a woman? They want, they want me to go and have an operation to become a woman. 
transgender. <laughs> no, but serious, but, but do you see the view here? This is this has crept into the church. Now, I remember a time in this country, in Georgia, where we had where he elected a born-again Christian democratic governor. Reverend Joe, I say Reverend, Joe Frank Harris. Solid believer and a Democrat. Where are they today? And he proudly told you, I'm a believer. Don't go with Jim Carter. I don't, I don't know what Jim Carter is. Because Jim Carter came back and said, if Jesus was here today, we'd endorse same-sex marriage. He said it. He said it. Hmm? Pardon me? The governor, Joker Frank Harris? Oh, it's not just born again, Stanley. You, you know that, huh? The liberals want to hear you, please. Let the liberals. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm with, I'm with Doug on that one. No, I'm just saying that I had met him at a meeting at, um, what did you, the name of it used to be, uh, Harvest Cathedral? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, at the meeting that, while he was governor, and, uh, and he was declaring his faith at the meeting. Um, what's that guy? The guy used to write for the Supremes. Uh, was a pastor up in Cartersville, I think it is. Okay. But it was, it was dedicated around him, but it was all a Christian event. And uh, Joe Frank Harris was there, I mean, vocal about his commitments. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it just mystifies me. Why would they get away from that foundation? Why do we think we cannot be a Democrat and still espouse the things of faith? I don't understand that. Because Georgia, we thrived in those days. He did. Jack Beaver was there working with him. Yeah, Jack Beaver, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I mean, we ran together and all things like that. And then all of a sudden, we did it right about town. So being Democrat is being anti-God. That's what we have today. But I don't think God is a Republican or a Democrat. God is just God. God wants both the evangelical view and the liberal view. Because he wants to take care of the poor and the needy. That's who God is. So I just don't see how these guys cannot just see that and incorporate all of this on one platform. Sir, can you, uh, Mr. Republican, can you, uh, how are you guys doing? You are doing good? <laughs> Amen. Okay, so the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus taught dealt with both views. Page 22 in your notes. Sin and salvation with heaven and hell, with prayer and spiritual warfare and the issue of justice in government, 
equity in economics, righteousness in science, and technology, freedom, honesty in communication, strength in family, beauty and truth in the arts. Amen? So the result of the diminished gospel is clear in the world today. Ah, Mike Smith really opened a kind of home yesterday. We didn't have time to really address it. When he was talking about the racial, the, the uh, superstition, and the issue of equity and discrimination, that was deep. That was really, really deep. He really, I wish you had a little more time. So you can really, I mean, from a white person, adjusting that from that password, that was just, that was very heavy duty. Very heavy duty. Uh, so I, I just really feel, I feel very grieved that the church today wholesale votes Republican without any qualification, without any thinking, and the black folk also wholesale votes Democrat. Both are wrong. Both are wrong. How can, how can the church just allow a party to take our position for granted? Because we are church, we should just vote Republican automatically. That's an insult. And then because I'm black, I expect to vote Democrat. I, I take that as an insult. It's an insult. You need to earn my vote. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, earn it. Earn it. Produce. And if you can't produce, you don't, I don't care what I mean. You, you, shouldn't, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't deserve my vote. But it's unfortunate. They all is, both, both parties, they make their runs only every four years. You won't see those jokers now until the midterm election is coming. They're going to start knocking on doors. And once they get the vote, they are like harlots. You won't see them again for four years. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Don't let's go there. Let's just leave that alone. Are you all right, Pastor Nee? Pastor Nee is a, it's a, it's a, it's not a far left liberal, but he's a, I, I leave that alone. <laughs> He's, he's too much in love with Barack Obama, so. <laughs> Praise God. So the, the, the result of the diminished gospel is clear in the world today. We have more Christians around the world, yet we have widespread but weak churches. The church has less impact in our communities. We need to preach the message of salvation, but we desperately need also to regain the rest of the truth of God's kingdom. We need to renew our Christian minds to see our transformed lives. We need to conform every thought to the thinking of Christ. Then the 21st century church will turn our world right side up. Then the body of Christ will not only be large and diverse, it will regain its power of influence. We are spiritual leaders, and we need to worry about secular matters too, period. In other words, we should be concerned about what's happening in our community. So really, all our churches should find means and ways to become relevant where we are. One thing that, that Pastor Eddie Long did back when he was alive in those days that was very powerful, nothing happened in the Cap County without his authority, just about. It was that influential in the Cap County, uh, where his church was. By the way, there's a lot of things happening there now. Do you guys know that? Yeah, there's the pastor that took over the church after he died. He just stepped down. Yeah. 
Uh, it just stopped. How, how long ago? Maybe a couple of months ago now. He just finished preaching a message and called Pastor Eddie Long's son and said, and prayed for him and said, take, take the church over. And they left. They said they found out that they can, how did they put, how did they put it all? Pastor Dollar was telling me about this on Monday. No, on Tuesday. Oh, you are there when I was telling me? Yeah, that they cannot own what does not belong to him. And I think the boy, the son that took it over now, is struggling. So now they're advertising in the paper for a, a, a new pastor. So any of you here that wants to pastor a large church, maybe that'd be a good place where you go and start. <laughs> yes. You want to take the job? We can recommend you. Oh, you asking me if it's right? It's not my church. I can that's, uh, Yeah. That is a that is a, a tough deal. Listen, that's a lesson for all of us. Whatever you are building, make sure it's an enduring work. We are only one generation away from being extinct. The man has been dead for, I mean, two, three years? And if care is not taken, Chapel Hill, what happened? Bishop, Bishop Paul, one generation, it's over. It's no longer there. Hmm? Our power. Who's that? Oh, yeah, again. See that? Can you believe that? His son and, the son and father were fighting one another. The son and the father were fighting one another. They sold the church to a Catholic church. Gone. Be sure you are building an enduring work. One generation. Do you know what Chapel Hill did in this city? Bishop Park matched with Martin Luther King. It was the first charismatic church in Atlanta. Yes. Yes. First mega church in Atlanta. That's a fact. It's no longer there. The building has been bought by a Baptist church. Yes. Ah. Hey, hey, hey. How many, how many hours do you have? <laughs> ah! Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that, that, was a, that, was, that was a very sad thing for the church. Yeah. Yeah, we cannot talk about what happened there in open. No, we can talk in open, but we can't talk in open mic. That's what I meant. Yeah, it's just, it but it was a work. Ah, the, 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 the thing about these things is, because I, I, I went there, I went there many times, there was a move of God there. There was a move of God there, and that's what's most scary. That's what's most scary. 
there was a move of God there. If there was any place where there was a move of God, Chapel Hill had a move of God. They did. Oh, yeah. That was, that was, that was their covering. It was their covering. Oh, yeah. Pastor, Pastor Dr. McCamby preached one of his last messages there. In fact, this is amazing you said that. He preached this message on the ministry of the saints right there at Chapel Hill. Yeah. What I'm sharing today and shared over time, that was his last message there. Scared the bishops to death. <laughs> he sure did. He preached it there. You're right. There's a voice behind me. That's the of that message. There's a voice behind me. Yeah. Ah, so later on in the downtime when there's no open mic, I can, I can, yeah, because there's a lot to learn about uh, those things, yeah. yeah. Okay. So where is the kingdom of God? Back in your notes in Portugal 23, Jesus preached the kingdom of God. And there are the scriptures there. He commanded his disciples to do likewise. You have the scriptures. There's need for laborers. Mark, Matthew chapter 9. Jesus sends us, his disciples, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's the church. That is a very loaded phrase. I don't have time to unpack that now. Those who are the lost, who are the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay, I'll define it here. Those who are lost to God's purpose or vision. They are lost to the original intent. That's a lost sheep. Because if you look at it very closely, how can you be a sheep and be lost? Being lost was really never used in conjunction with the sheep. We expect goats to be lost, but not sheep. By virtue of the fact that you're a sheep, that means you're in the fold. So how can you be in the fold and lost? So this is a play on words. Jesus was saying that these sheep, these members of this congregation, they are sheep, they are born again, they are going to heaven, but they are lost in my purpose. So those who are the ones to which he first sent his disciples. If we're going to reach the world, what's the raw material that we'll use to reach it? Where will we find the laborers that will engage the world in harvest? They're sitting in the church. So somebody has to go to the church to awaken them, to help them understand you've been called for such a time as this. Arise from your slumber and get engaged in the harvest. Does that make sense? That's what it told us they're supposed to do. Paul preached the kingdom of God. And there you have the scriptures. The rule of the king over his domain is what you call kingdom. Kingdom is a compound word, king and domain. So the devastation we are seeing is the fruit of preaching salvation alone without the rest of the biblical message. Amen? So I guess what I'm saying to us through all of this, what we said so far this afternoon is the fact that we need to adjust our message to help us understand that we have gifts within our congregation. Those gifts come in different packages. Everybody will not teach from a pulpit. 
but everybody has a platform for ministry. And it is as we keep them for that platform, they can carry the message of the kingdom to wherever they function. They become your extension and your voice in wherever they are. You see, very early on, without this revelation, I did not have this revelation, but we had enough zeal, my wife and I, when, when we got born again. I didn't have this revelation, but I just fell in love so much with this gospel message that we'll get it in church and all through the week, every day on my job, early morning I get there before work starts, I have a Bible study. Lunchtime, I have a Bible study. Every day. Five days a week. That's what I did. So I get briefed in church. I gave it out at work. Every day. Right there at the Atlanta airport. People in Concourse A, B, C, D knew if I had a problem, go to bank and seek on. I'm not joking. So my, my disciples were there every day. My shift starts at 8 o'clock. I'm there at 7.15. Go to the break room. They come in there. We do Bible study. We pray before we go to work. Every day. That was my training ground for what I'm doing now. I think I can care less about the popular church. I can't wait to get a church, just get two points from a pastor. <laughs> That's all I... Don't ask me th- point number three, but I've got those two points. <laughs> Every week. And I got to a point where it, it was not good. It, 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 I mean, the, the, the thing was just boiling. Then on Saturdays, we, had, we started doing small groups. Am I joking? All over the city. I made my house this week, made your house next week. Because we made an avenue to give out what we've received. Because in the natural, if you eat alone and you don't go to the bathroom, you are constipated. You feel bloated. We have bloated believers in church every Sunday. And because they are bloated, they are uncomfortable, so they, 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 they get irritable. They're the slightest thing they go off. Because they are loaded and there's no outlet for them to, to, to give up what they have. The outlet is there, but they don't take advantage of it. Every week we did this. Yeah. That's where I met Jerry and uh, your, your prophet, Je- Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying to us is we bring them to church and, and we must replace the Old Testament paradigm. It's not a matter of us telling people to come to church. It's a matter of sending the church out to them. That's the New Testament. Go, he says. He didn't say come. Why are we telling people to come? Ah, you guys are quiet. Listen, it's automatic. If your people are going, then they'll be bringing somebody in. But we've invested. We're asking people to come. But if you are sending them out, you've got something. Go give it to those guys. You've got something. Go give it to those guys. In time, the people you are giving it to, they're going to say, man, where are you getting this stuff from? But the guy that witnessed to me, he did, he did, he did, I, don't, I don't know how many scriptures he knew. He didn't, he didn't try to tell me you're going to hell. You're no, he just said, beg, you need God. That's the only thing the man said to me. Bank, you need God. <laughs> 
That's all he said. I'm the one that went and found help. Where do you go to church? Because his voice was ringing in my head for days. Bank, you need God. Bank, you need God. Bank, okay, okay, this God, okay. Who is this God? Rodney, where's, where's your church? That's what happened. So the point is, we are sent, we are, we are, we are, we are given a task to groom and send him out. Not ask them to come. Now, I know that's so hard for pastors. That's so hard for us because we, we've majored on asking, uh, doing our beautiful flyers, social media. Is, I mean, and we're inviting people to come, come, come. That is totally, completely law and Old Testament. It's Old Testament. If we do this right, we'll perfect network, network marketing. Have you ever seen a commercial by Avon? Okay, how many people here know Avon? You ever heard of Avon? Ah, okay, do you guys, the rest of you guys live on the earth? Yeah, Avon products. I didn't say, do you use it? I know you're a man, you don't use Avon. <laughs> how about, how about life? Anybody? How about Amway? Exactly. Those guys, you will not see them on Fox News, TV5, they don't have to do that. They don't have to do that. But they are billion dollar companies. Mary Kay, ah, maybe that's even, that's even better. Mary Kay. I know David, do you use Mary Kay? But those guys are built by what? Referrals. I've used it. It's good. Check it out. That's what we lack in the body of Christ. If we have proper referrals, we would not need the TV ministry. And by the way, that's it. Diminishing, passing away glory. I hope you know that. Because this new generation don't watch television. They're obsessed with the internet. So you need to be careful how you manage your resources. Yeah. So the point I'm making is the kingdom of God should be in an incredible network marketing system. I've tested it. Is that not what happened in gospel? Wasn't Philip and other ones said, come see. The one that's been spoken in scriptures, the prophet, the Messiah. That's what happened. He tested it. He said, come and see. That's severe. So we are trying to replace the God's divine system with an improvised human wisdom. And it's not working. We're just... What's the word they use? We won't have uh, uh, transfer growth. When someone leaves your church and comes to your church, recycling. We just have a recycling growth. Transfer. Church transfer. That's it. Five people that got mad in the church uh, down the street and they show up in your church Sunday morning. And you said your church is growing. Like Pastor Della said, it's swelling, not growing. Information. Because they've been hurt where they're coming from and they bring that hurt to, to you. That's what's happening. But, ne but the, the, the network should be, man, God has touched me. 
you, you've got to test what I got. And that's what happens. Amen? 128. Hmm. Okay, right. They said lunch is at 145. How do you guys want to do this? You want to go to lunch at 145? Or... Huh? Go home and digest this. What should we do? Hmm? To go to lunch at 145, when you want to come back? Uh, okay, this, this is what I'm contemplating. Should we try to do as much as possible and just be dismissed, period? Or should we take a break for lunch and then come back? Well, this, this is my concern for you, Bishop. If I give you a lunch break, and you go and eat that carbo, carbohydrate rice. You are already nodding this morning. I don't want you to have to fall asleep. On the <laughs> what do you think, Pastor? Get, get out of the way. I know you can go and rest, period. A bathroom, bathroom break. Okay, why don't we take... It's 1.30 now. Let's take a 15-minute bathroom break. 15 minutes. We'll come back at 1.45. And then we'll just take about an hour and knock everything out. Is that, is that, is that good? Please, let 1.45 be 1.45. 15 minutes. This is not 15 minutes evangelistically. But it's... <laughs>